welcome to Audio Potluck, ko Nikki O'Connor toko ingoa no Tūranga Nui Ake Wahau ko Ngāti Parau Te Iwi. I'm Nikki and I'll be the host of Audio Potluck, a podcast dedicated to the music of Te Tairawhiti. Each episode, one of our panellists bring a song with Gizzy Whakapapa to the table for the Potluck panel to sample and mull over, serving as a starting point for yarns about all things music out here on the east coast of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Made for Gizzy Local, an online platform for community connection. In this episode, I'm joined by Owen Vickers, Rez Rapid and Amy Milne. Uh, so the song that I want to introduce uh, today is called Haere Mai and um, it's probably my favourite uh, waiata Māori. Um, my first memory of it is from high school days, probably about 89, 90 at Lytton High. Um, it was composed by Tuini Ngāwai and um, this particular version is sung by um, Kara Pewhairangi or Kara Pewhairangi Lawton. Um, and it was arranged and produced by Dalvanius on his um, Maui Records label, which um, Maui was his first name, which is why I guess he called it Maui um, Records. Um, the seven inch single came out in 1986, but um, a kind of a, a version featured in the Ngati film. I don't know if you guys have seen Ngati, um, a film that was from up the coast. Um, Barry Barclay, I think, was the director. Um, and, yeah, uh, uh, and that came out in 87. Pātia Māori Club also did, um, did, uh, did a who version. Was who, was that, who was that singer? I just remember someone coming out and just belting it out with this beautiful voice, a young girl. It was, it was probably Carter. Was it? Yeah, oh, but because she did a few a few different versions, but I mean, gosh, there mm. are many versions out there. Mm. I mean, because you know, it's it's often sung. But yeah, she did a song that was on the Poye album. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, she was Ngoi's granddaughter. Well, um, some sources say granddaughter, some sources mm. say um, niece. So I I don't actually know. Uh, and just for those out there in Radio Land, yeah. I'm speaking with reference to Ngoi Pefarangi, yeah. the famous uh, uh, East Coast um, uh, writer. And, yeah. Uh, and Ngoi was actually the niece um, of Twini Ngawai, another so famous. Who, who wrote this right, song, yeah. So, which is a lovely connection because all three of them Of are course, connected. and she was good mates with Delvanius as well. So, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's listen to the song and then we Mm -hmm. can break it down a little bit afterwards.
straight off the bat I have to say um, that's not my favourite version of the orchestration. I'm not a fan of the sax in that particular song. Brian Ferry sax I can tolerate, but n- not that particular um, song. But, you know, it was very much of its time. So when you say tolerate the sax, yeah. are, are you saying you're not a sax fan at all? Not really. Wow. I mean, Brian, but Brian Ferry's the exception. I can, um, what about David can, Bowie? Oh, yeah, no, mm-hmm. yep, sorry, mm-hmm. you've got me there. Yeah. Yep, I can, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can definitely it's tolerate a bit, a bit, bit of, of Bowie Baker Street, Go outside, Amy, just, just, just go away. <laughs> And there may be others, but mm. um, but n- not in this instance. Mm. I feel like the uh, the orchestration that works best with this is just the good old fashioned guitar. Mm. I agree with you, um, mm. Nick. What a great song! Yeah. What an awesome yeah. song! Total great cool. song, man. Mm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Beautiful vocal. I love the yeah. na, 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 and then the callback. <laughs> yeah, on, on, the, on the backing, yeah, so cool, man. And that ending, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, it reminds missing out me on of, the jazz hands. It's so cool. <laughs> and uh, mm, I was too young to see all the Maori show bands and stuff, man. It gives me that vibe, yeah. and I think that's a that's a cool. Yeah, uh, uh, those bands were cool, man. Totally. Yeah, and uh, um, uh, Twenty was obviously a prolific writer in her day. I mean, she was, I think, kind of under the tutelage of um, Apirangangata, mm-hmm. who actually called her um, a composer of genius. So he had this um, incredible impression of her after a few songs that are Weata that she composed. Now, Apirangangata is known as the father of um, Weata Aringa, or otherwise known as the action song, which isn't a um, traditional Māori um uh, type of um, formation in terms of kapahaka. Uh, lots of people might think it is, but it's not. Um, Tirita Papish, who was actually one of my lecturers at Canterbury University in, in Te Reo and Music, she wrote, um, I don't think it was her thesis, but a piece, a couple of pieces actually about um, kapahaka and identity. And she says in there that um, Apirangangata actually went over to Samoa and Rarotonga, and that's where he saw some of these sort of... Um, lines of people and formations doing um, synchronised mm-hmm. movements and that's where the origins of the Waiata Aranga come from. So Apirangangata was kind of uh, fundamental in that movement but obviously um, Twini was was uh, just after that and so um, she was sort of a prolific, I guess around from the mid-30s onwards and um, one of her songs became the unofficial hymn of the Māori Battalion. It was based on a Gershwin melody called Love Walked In. It was called Arohaina Mai. She wrote it when she had just seen some soldiers leaving for war. She was overcome by emotion and she sat down on the roadside and she said this was one of just one of those songs that came to her really quickly within minutes and it was a fully formed... A special um, song. Yeah, yeah, a song in her mind. Um, and it was complete within cool. a couple of minutes. Uh, one thing that was it's quite interesting about her is that, you know, she's many things. Uh, she was a, a teacher, a cultural advisor, obviously a songwriter, but she was also um, a supervisor of a sharing gang. And when they were sharing together, they would listen to um, lots of these sort of Western or European uh, songs. And often those were the melodies that she used in order to um, create some of her waiata that she'd put Māori kupu to, or kupu Māori to. 
her name and the story behind her name is quite interesting. So she was actually born Moitu Hangu Ngawai. And when her mother was pregnant with her, she went to a tohunga to, um, to, to seek a blessing. And the tohunga said, um, you know, your child is going to be, um, is destined for great things, is going to be a leader of, of some kind. And she was actually a twin, and her, her um, twin uh, died about uh, maybe a year old. And so that's where she was called Tuini, um, which is like a transliteration of twin. Mm. So um, that, that's where she got her name. Um, so back to the Fanonga aspect. Um, so yeah, Ngoi was her niece, and Ngoi Pifairangi um, wrote Pui, which is um, you know a track that most of us know. I thought about choosing that one, but it was almost too obvious. E po, she wrote oh, that as well. E po, mm. I, I. <laughs> Um, and she worked with Dalvan- Dalvanius a lot, and he often sort of just wrote uh, the the songs or the tunes, and then Moy would write the. She's like a linguist, really. She would write the the lyrics to to match those, and she could do it really, really quickly. Apparently, one night they just they in, in the matter in a matter of hours they just um, tuned out three wayata just like that. Um, so they were they were. Um, I use the word prolific a lot, but I guess they were prolific as well. The meaning behind that wayata itself, it's a it's a welcome song, obviously Hayere Mai. And one thing I really love about it is um, that Kara's vocal, especially in those first few lines, you can almost hear the nerves in mm. there. The, the real, I noticed um, that as well. Yeah, the, There's a little vulnerability in there. Naked. Is, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And to me, I think there's something about an aspect of the humility that comes with mana- true manakitanga mm-hmm. in that, and to me that also reflects the nature of the song or the kupu of the of the song and what it's about as well. So, even though that live recording, um, perhaps she didn't intend her vocal to be that vulnerable. Mm. I really feel like that suited the, mm. the tone of, of the lyrics. And, you know, I chose that version over, say, the recorded version with the Pātia Māori Club because of that vulnerability and that fragility mm. in, in her sound. And it does give you that same feeling that a karanga gives you when, when you know, you get that. It's the same, almost like a there's a sad feeling about it or some kind of, uh, there's just an emotion that overtakes you when you hear that karanga and, and that's what that song gives me every time I hear it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that whole karanga feeling when you get a little bit overwhelmed with emotion when yeah. you're we're coming onto a marae and you get that call out. It's just it's such a nice, such a nice feeling. It's, yeah. It is welcoming, but it's also, I can't think of a good word, but there is, I always get a little bit emotional when I'm being called onto a marae. Yeah. Do you think that's the spiritual... Yeah, I do. Yeah, there is something about it. Mm. Um, good song, great song. I don't know if it's because I'm trying to think. I, I feel that like the structure of the song is really good and solid, and the hook. Yeah, I love it. But also for me, there's a nostalgia value there mm. too. So it's hard to separate clinically. You know, if you want to weigh up a song, um, but I'm looking at it after hearing. I've heard that song for years and years and years. Um, so my opinion is clouded because of that. Um, but I think that even if I was listening to the song for the first time, I, I'm 
yeah, it's I feel it's well structured, beautiful voice. Like you say, the 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 lilting, uh, trembling vulnerability in the vocal. Hell yeah, man, mm. love it. Yeah, mm. cool. Really like the song. Um, next, mm. she would have been quite young when she recorded that, was she? Yeah, I imagine so. Do you know when that one came out? I think it was a eighty six, eighty seven. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you could get anyone to play Angizzi, who would you call back? It would be the Subliminals. Mm-hmm. And um, I say that because I have recently seen them. Although I've had, I recently opened my tape collection and I noticed I had some of their stuff in my tape collection, which I must have dubbed off other people's CDs or something. But I just saw them at the Flying Nun 40th anniversary gig and they were the absolute highlight. They were majestic, raw, powerful, and um, I was totally smitten. I was absolutely in the moment. And um, and I think the people that I was with as well felt the same mm. thing. Um, yeah, I, and I would love them to come. I mean, they've been around for a long, long time. I think was it Africa? Was that their big hit? No. no. Yeah. You're thinking of the Skeptics, maybe? Sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, began yeah. with an S. <laughs> Yeah, that was the Skeptics, but no, this is the Subliminals. They've been around since, um, well, it would have been before 2000, so maybe 98, 99-ish. Um, I think they formed in Christchurch. Can't be totally sure about that, but um, yeah. I mean, obviously, when they played just a few months ago, they were incredible, so they've still got it. You know, In fact, I would say probably they might be better with age. Everything gets better with age. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's who I'd bring. Thanks for listening. Audio Potluck was produced by Sarah Cleave of Gizzy Local. It was recorded at Taiki Year. Recording and editing by Rob Harris. Podcast intro music, Bliss Out by The Robber. <laughs>